Chris Biddle and uh, welcome to episode 66 of Inside AgriTurf. Thank you for joining me. Now one of the benefits and indeed the pleasure of producing these podcasts is that they often lead me into related issues raised during a conversation with a guest. In the last episode I had a fascinating chat with uh, Stuart Goodinson and Grace Nugent of De Lacey Executive Recruitment who provided a real insight into the role and responsibilities of any recruitment agency worth its salt. The steps they take to provide the client with the right candidate for a specific position in the company, saving their client time sorting the wheat from the chaff. It's well worth a catch-up if you missed it earlier. I've been prompted by remarks uh, from a dealer in an earlier episode who had a bit of a pop at recruitment agencies in general, uh, not DeLacy, I might add. In an even earlier episode, the MD of a long-established family-owned dealership told me about the benefits of getting some outside eyes into the business to provide a totally independent assessment of its team, its strategy, its strengths and its weaknesses probably. Often an outside business coach or mentor can spot things that are hard to see when all the principles are focused on the day-to-day challenges of running the business. So to find out more about the role of a business coach or mentor, I'm delighted to welcome someone who will be well known to many in the garden machinery and outdoor power equipment market. Martin Sanders qualified as an accountant with Deloitte before joining British Airways and then Volvo. He joined Honda UK in 1994, working initially in the car division, but then spent the best part of 15 years running the power products division in the UK and Europe. In 2014, he was appointed Chief Financial Officer of Honda Motor Europe and then Chief Audit Executive until his retirement in 2020. Today he is assisting companies by providing business coaching and mentoring and uh, those experience outside eyes, if you like. So Martin, it's great to catch up after all these years. On your website, the opening words are a quote from Soichiro Honda, the founder of the Honda company, which say, you work for yourself first, then you work for Honda. How do you interpret his words? I, th- I think that it's all about being you. It's about ensuring that uh, you're the person, you make it happen. And that that part of the philosophy that Mr. Honda had was really saying, you no one's coming to work to do a bad job. You do a good job for yourself, then Honda will benefit. And that was all to do about respect for the individual part of the, the Honda philosophy. And I've always used that as... as uh, as something to think about that it's it's really down to you you know you've got to make it happen you've got to to do things in a professional manner whatever job you do uh, and i think that's the key to it it's uh, it's really about you uh, is this a particular japanese trait was uh, but it was it something specific to honda I think it's a pretty Japanese trait. I think it's, it's slowly moving the way that, that people work for one company for their whole of their, their lives. That that has changed. But the Japanese are very respectful. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from uh, many of the Japanese in terms of just how to deal with people. I mean, the mistake that people make is that when they say yes, they they say, yes, I understand, not yes, I agree. 
And so I think the say the respect for the individual was was certainly a high part of uh, the the philosophy. And and Mr. Honda just wanted that. He was very very people orientated. You've retired from 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 Honda, and uh, obviously feel that you have got something to offer companies in 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 helping them through whatever issues they may or may not have uh, in general terms martin what would be the role of a, a business coach or a mentor what what would they bring to a company i'm thinking particularly of family companies which of course uh, much of the agricultural and uh, turf care market is is made up of yeah i i think one of the things about this there is a difference between coaching and mentoring and the one thing which I always say is coaching is not telling people what to do. It, 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 it really is giving them a chance to examine what they're doing in the light of what they want to do. But what I've found recently is that uh, uh, it's pretty lonely out uh, in the businesses, especially in smaller, smaller businesses. And the coaching can actually provide a, the sort of a safe place, so a psychological safe place place we talk about mental health etc someone to to talk to and it's actually trying to structure someone's thinking uh, how they're solving problems how they're making the decisions and um you know clarify their 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 impact so the coach is the person who has the process the coachee is the person who has all the uh, the content yeah. and 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 mentoring is something different to that because that's a lot about supporting encouraging developing the skills but not not giving the answers really it, it's so that there are two different things and in a smaller company uh, especially uh, you know when when you, you've got a lot of staff everybody's looking to the the, the the top person but actually who do they talk to uh, and particularly in family companies where there may well be more than one member of the family closely involved in that, there, there has to be a lot of sensitivity in in, in handling uh, that company because it, it, it doesn't come out of a textbook quite often, does it? No, it doesn't. And I'm, I've been working with a couple of uh, family companies and, you know, it is hard uh, because there are relationships, There's there's always someone wanting to do different things. You know, do you take the dividend? Or do you actually uh, reinvest the money is one of the, the, the key ones. And, and I think that the relationships within the family, especially in, in business, because some people are in the operations, some people are outside of maybe just the shareholders, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of conflict. And I think that's where the, the, the coach can come in is how to deal with some of that conflict. I mean, one of the person I'm, I'm, I'm working with, I spend quite a lot of time just getting them prepared for the various meetings, whether it's the shareholders meeting, it's the operations meeting, the trusts meetings, and just trying to get it in some sort of order. So what's the process? What's the the, the agendas? Because, again, they don't have anybody to to, to talk to. No. And, and, of course, a company is only as, as good as its people at the, the end of the day. And uh, would there be cases where the, the, the business owners have a particular view, but actually their employees have have a different view so so a, a mentor or i won't call it a coach because if you explain the difference on that but uh, a mentor would perhaps uh, extend his reach or her reach into the company as a whole to find out what the staff are thinking yes absolutely and i think that's where there's a typical uh, japanese saying which is uh, sengen shugi go to the place yeah. uh, know the situation be, be realistic 
So that's all about um, understanding. So, for example, getting down onto the shop floor, getting down uh, into the into the workshop, because uh, I always used to find when in my Honda days, you, you could learn so much about a dealership by especially going into the, the service department and seeing how how uh, how it is look at the cleanliness look at the things that are going on and i think that's where the the key if you can if you can spend some time with the the individuals who are reporting to that uh, uh, the owner you can get a lot and i think one of the, the the big issues is trying to you know mentoring especially listening and then trying to explain to the the boss what's going on and 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 that's the hard bit if they're not listening indeed and, and presumably it's not a it's not a quick fix so in order to talk to the boss and talk to the staff um in order to to gauge the uh, result of that you need to go back later maybe a year later to find out how the attitudes and whether the attitudes have changed haven't they yeah absolutely and i think as an outsider going into a business, people are always uh, a little bit afraid. I mean, in my last job in Honda, I was uh, chief audit executive. So you'd walk through the door and I'm from head office. I'm here to help you. And actually, that was what we were trying to do. We, were, we weren't trying to find fault. We weren't trying to find fraud or anything like that. What we were trying to do was to, to get best practice and understand how we can develop the business uh, together. So it does take time and it, it's about trust. And I think that's one of the biggest things. People shouldn't go in and have a coach or a mentor or, or, or anything like that if they're really unsure of what they, 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 they want to hear. And that's the frustrating bit. We've all been in places where you can talk to someone and you know they're not listening. Uh, yeah, so I guess you're, you're, you're telling them possibly what you think they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. I mean, yeah. is it better, better to go in and, and say, I'm from head office or <laughs> I'm, I'm an accountant, I'm here to help you? Yes. <laughs> maybe yeah. that might put even more warning bells up uh, and yeah. Um, yeah. maybe there's some employees of P&O that might, uh, might think that, that's a, that, yeah. that appears to be a completely financially driven, driven decision uh, and not based on the wider picture. I mean, do, do you have a view? Um, I think there's some big, big issues with the P&O because they've got this uh, holding company in Dubai actually have got a quite cash rich so so they're looking at uh, being able to do this uh, in the UK uh, what I don't think they've they've looked at is the the actual cost of the brand no. uh, so of course you know all the the, the costs of the the, the human costs is, is, have been shocking in the way that they've done it but ultimately long term you know will the will the P&O brand P&O ferries continue because I know P&O cruises have had a, a big problem because people have linked them. Indeed, indeed, they've spent quite a lot of advertising distancing themselves from it. And uh, as you say, I think the only way out of this is to, to change the name. Um, Martin, you 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 will have gone into a lot of small companies when you were with Honda. Is time management a, a real problem within some companies because essentially seeing the wood for the trees is is probably one of the biggest issues that small companies have yeah i, I think time management is a is an issue for for everyone I, I think the pandemic has also changed that because actually people were were, were spending more time you know in in the business even if the doors were closed, trying to think. So time management is, is, is important and trying to 
allocate that time between operational real day-to-day but also strategic thinking I think that's one of the key the, the, the key parts of it and yeah, I'm sure we'll go on later on to talk about uh, is it short, medium, and, and 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 long term. But there has to be that element of understanding how many hours in the day. But then um, the hard thing, which I, again people are saying, how do you switch off from a family business? Yeah. Because you go back home, you might have uh, phone calls, you have people in the business, and you actually need to to come away from that. So I think. Mentally, it's really tough and, and it's been really tough because of COVID. And yes, we're doing Zoom, which has made things um, actually uh, probably better in some respects. But then you lose that human human contact. Have you got any any thoughts? Because talking to one or two business owners, it gave them actually a chance to regroup and rethink whilst they were firefighting, of course. Um, and would you would you think that there might have been some good uh, and useful business practices that came out of COVID that there might not have been? I mean, obviously, in communication and communication methods uh, would be one of them. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's been. There's you. You got to look at the positives in the fact that um, you know it's now much easier to to have this type of communications. I, I, I sit with um, as on the charity Wooden Spoon, and we have a a local committee of, of most of the people on there are uh, in you know their their late sixties and seventies. And if you'd said to them a little while ago, you know we're going to have all our meetings through the computer on a Zoom rather than sitting in the pub, they would have gone no way. But actually, yeah. it's 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 worked very well. I think the the the, the key things of, of, is flexibility. It's being agile and. I'm working with a with a with a farm shop actually in in Stratford, a family-owned business in Stratford called the Farm, and they were closed for a long period of time, and then they had to re re sort out what they did. And and coming up to Christmas, they decided that they would do the boxes and deliveries and things like that in a in a COVID secure way, and they would never have gone into that beforehand because they expected people to come to the the farm shop. But they've uh, they've continued with that, and that's been very successful. Okay, slightly smaller. So I think it is a question of being, you know, ad- agile and understanding what's uh, needed by each of the individual sections within the business. You mentioned setting goals, <coughs> long term, short term, medium term uh, goals, um, and anybody that had set their goals in, say, December. 2019 uh, would have had to quickly uh, rip them up and start again. I mean, uh, I just wonder how you define define long term these days. I mean, is it is it uh, a day, a week, a month, five years? What is it? Yeah, I think the the, the long term is, is is still sort of three years for for any business, and you you need to have that uh, that plan. If you don't have a plan, it's very difficult to judge yourself so i think uh, uh, you need to have that longer term plan the to the medium term i would say is probably the 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 year and you need to be looking at uh, uh, what what you want to be doing over that year and especially in the, the finances and then of course the short term can be hours or days etc <laughs> i always remember going to see len breakwell in my very early days of, of being in honda power products one of the things which was really interesting is that uh, in, in Honda at that time, we used to say, oh, how many units do you do? You know, how many lawnmowers, et cetera. Len, I, I came out, I had all the information, but I said to Len, oh, how many units have you done today? And he looked at me and he, and he said, it's nothing to do with the number of units. He said, you need to understand 
how much it costs to open the door. So it's about the model mix. It's about the profitability, et cetera. He said, if you know how much you, that is and you've, you've covered all your costs by lunchtime, you can have a good afternoon in his, in his dulcet tones. And actually, that was really, really important. A very simple phrase. But yeah, how much does it cost to open the door? Have we achieved it by lunchtime? And and it's quite a definable figure as well, isn't it? I mean, and, it, and it's simple to understand. You you would have obviously during your particularly time in the power equipment division, you've gone into a lot of companies, and 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 I guess one thing that they would all been different in, in in a way. They all had a different challenge. They all were set up differently. Was it was it easy to sort of come from a corporate background and and find a central message that you could give to each one of them? Uh, yes, actually, because even in the, the, the sort of car business, whether it was with Volvo or, or Honda, um, you know, the, 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 the dealer principal really had understanding of the whole business. But it was about uh, the, the key puts of people. Did you have the right? Uh, did you have the right people? Uh, and that's that's key, uh, and that's still key today. Were they able to to, to speak? Were they able to contribute? to uh, to the business and i think that was one of the things we always looked at is how how does the the, the business operate we all know uh, surround yourself with good people then that makes you 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 better and i think that was a common common trait that the big difference in the smaller businesses actually was probably to do with some of the funding um because some of the the funding the the, the tough businesses was how were they going to survive the winter uh, and that only sort of helped with you know winter stocking and things like that and 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 I think the 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 business principles were always going to be exactly the same. What's the customer proposition? How do we maintain that customer service? I mean, when we went to B and Q with the Easy product, I remember going into a dealership and they had a big sign above the service desk: "If you if you bought your Easy from B and Q, please do not um, ask for it to be serviced here." And you know, at that time, we used to give if, if someone had a, 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 a service, we used to give a ten pound um, bonus to the dealer. But actually, what, what we always used to say, Honda were bringing a customer into your showroom, who you could convert, who you could convert, and they might want you know you could do the garage audit, the garden audit, etc. So um, that was uh, uh, that that was always a difficult one. But I never had any problem speaking to people like no. that. Say, so, look, I, I, does that really? You know, is yeah. that really what you want to, to, to say about your company? So the company culture and the principles of customer service were always king. And, and I suppose that uh, there was a sort of big difference between the, the car dealerships and motorcycle and uh, maybe marine and yeah. outdoor power equipment, because in the car trade, it is single franchise, effectively exclusive exclusivity. But with all the others, there are other brands that you've got to accept will be in their yeah. showroom, yeah. presumably in their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, it, in, in the early days of cars, it was all exclusive. Now, the car industry has changed quite considerably. But yeah, I mean, uh, we, we always said that um, actually profitable dealer network is really, really important because actually that that provides the uh, the basis of, of, of doing business. So whether it be cars, motorcycles, marine power products, you needed uh, uh, the, power, the, the, uh, the, the, the products to be profitable. So 
actually in power equipment, I never had a problem. The fact that you know, if you had a John Deere, you had a, a Steel, etc., because they they were complementary brands to uh, to Honda. And yes. that gave the dealer the opportunity to uh, yeah, uh, yeah. provide the customer with with great yeah, range yeah. of products. My, my, my always favourite line when uh, when I was a dealer was uh, I would say to somebody, "Well, I use one of these at home." And um, I remember our workshop manager came out to me. He said, "Good gracious, how many machines have you got at home?" Because <laughs> every single person you tell a different machine you've got at home. But yeah. it, it's that kind of depending on the dealer for advice it's possibly changed slightly now because there is so much uh, comparative information online isn't there that um, people are more well informed informed when they walk into into a place and they might have been in the past yeah i think that that's 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 key i think when you when you go back to the the early or late 90s and early 2000 then yeah internet wasn't there that's the whole issue of the of the of the sheds etc being able to do but yeah people the, the customer is so well informed now in fact there's just probably too much too much and you really want to go to somebody and, and the specialist lawn and garden dealer the, the, the best in, in giving that advice because they will look and say, yes, I can have a, a ride on. Yes, you can have a walk behind. Actually, have you tried the, the, the new electric? You, you talk about evening after seasons and one of the areas that a lot of dealers look at is diversification. And that's a tricky one because you can't on one hand call yourself a specialist dealer and then be also selling knitting machines or what whatever mm-hmm. or, or even koi Carpool, one or two dealers uh, did, yep. uh, but there are diversifications that you ca- that are complementary. I found to some dealers and not to others, but it's not an exact science, is it? No, it's not, and I think um, that's part of that long-term strategy. The sort of three years, what 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 will change? And again, is it is it profitable uh, on the, on the on the sort of the the, the, the base level? How how much funding? will it take to, to get it up and running and what's the payback period and and actually do you, do you have the specialist um staff to be able to do it because it's one of the things again going back to the honda franchise there were there were times when there were power products in car and motorcycle dealers etc actually one of the things that came out yeah they had all the showrooms they had the workshops etc but they didn't have the specialist people to be able to sell no. it so I think, you know, I don't know if you want, you know, if people have gone into swimming pools and log cabins and things like that. That's okay if you've got the people to be able to run it. Yeah, yeah, that that's absolutely true. I do remember, recall there was sort of an advertising campaign of load a mower in your boot yep. when you picked yep. up your your, your right. run. And, and by the same token then, Martin, there was also um, Honda, I think, were one of the companies, uh, and I don't want to make this Honda-centric at all, but no, no. Uh, we're one of the companies that did try – uh, exclusive exclusivity and i think there was certainly a dealer in cornwall that was yep. uh, that was yep. exclusively honda but i'm not sure that worked out long term or, or whether that was good for that particular business no I, I think ultimately you you need the breadth of product because that's what uh, that's what you, you need to have the, the customer also wants to, to actually see a choice Yes, yes. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's still to, to today. Um, people want a choice. Yeah, uh, and, and with family businesses, and I do know several um, instances where maybe the families have found difficulty in uh, a green strategy, and all the usual family issues get in the way, and they've brought in an outsider to uh, run the bit, or indeed they brought a non-exec onto their onto their board. Uh, have you found that to be successful in some cases? 
it's interesting with the the, the non-exec. The non-exec can be really good uh, as a mentor. The, the non-exec should be the person who has a voice that can be heard. Uh, whether they take it on board is is another thing. But that they are that conscience. Yeah. So I think uh, for for some family businesses, it really does make a difference to have a non-exec, and you 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 do need to be divorced from the business completely, and no no relationships or anything like that, because you are then meant to be independent. I mean, to 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 be a non-exec director, it has you just have the same duties as a as a normal director. So you do have to do your due diligence and you do have to make sure that it's the right company, but that they can provide a huge amount of expertise uh, working with the, 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 the chairman and the other directors uh, who can bring in some other skills. So uh, um, I, I would definitely recommend for people to, to consider, uh, and there's, there's lots of places that you can find non-execs, but it's making sure that person has the right culture to, to work with the, uh, the business. Uh, and, and and certainly, I mean, uh, I, I was talking to a company who had brought in an outsider with a, a very strong corporate background as their uh, managing director, and uh, uh, they needed uh, somebody to unpack it after a couple of years um, because I think I think they said they had um, ten heads of departments out of a yep. staff of fifty. So yep. I mean, it, it, it he, he'd obviously run it as it was run on paper rather than what he saw and and, and who he listened to. Yeah, no, I think I think if you if you go you you have to go in with a different uh, mentality. It's about there's the mutual respect, but you can't suddenly say I've come out from a big blue chip into into a small one. It, it doesn't it doesn't work. Sure, yeah. and we're entering a stage, aren't we, Martin? Where it, there are going to be challenges in business at the moment, particularly in, in the short term. I, mean, I was a I was a garden machinery dealer in 1976 when uh, it, it didn't rain yeah. for three months, and uh, yeah. we sat we didn't have anybody through the door, and we wondered what the heck we were going to sell. But there are two two big issues for, at the moment: is stock and staff. Frankly, that's the big challenge that everybody's got. But but are there any sort of golden rules? Do you think for uh, managing a business in un, uncertain times? I, I think it's it's understanding what the uh, what the financials are. I mean, I, I'll go back to my accountants yes. on, because, as Len Breakwood was saying, you know, make, make sure you know it's about cash flow. It's not about profitability make sure you've got a cash flow. And I think if you look at the, um, you know, there were grants that were paid and the furlough, staff were furloughed and, and things like that, but many people dug into their reserves uh, and, again, is trying to build that back up. So the, the, the key is understanding that, but also the key is understanding what the customer will want in the yeah. future. And I think, you know, just the, the price of fuel and things like that is, is maybe a little bit more difficult now for, for people to say, oh, I'm just going to get in the car and go for a drive. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll make a, a different thought. So does anybody do that for pleasure these days? <laughs> well, that's, that's right. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can go back to our our, our parents. You know, used to go yeah, out yeah. on the weekend for a Sunday drive. You know, I'm sure that I think yeah. you go from A to B now rather than than yeah. that. So I think the, the the key part of this, there, there's always going to be opportunities. That that's the key is looking and being flexible, looking at the opportunities that are there, and making those big decisions. If something isn't working understand why it's not working see whether you can get a solution but if not then you've got to give it up yeah and if yeah, it's a yeah. drain on the cash and a drain on the profitability and the margins are not there 
then you've you've got to be be, be tough. It's not easy, especially in a, in a family business and you've got people. But if you can plan a little way ahead, let's hope that, uh, I mean, it's pouring with rain outside today. So I, maybe it, we've had a dry spell, but maybe we can have a bit of a, 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 a wetter April and, and the, the grass will grow and the seasons can, can start. Uh, is there a general understanding? Um, your background is in a big multinational company. Um would I be true to say that uh, you, you learnt as much from your company? Or rather, no, put it the other way around. You, you learnt as much from the dealers and the small businesses that you, you you came into contact with as you would have done from the core strategy of, of the big company. I, I suppose in a way I'm saying, do people from big companies understand the cultures of those in small yeah. family businesses? Oh, no, ab- absolutely. I It's the thing that I missed when I went back into to head office and I didn't have the dealer relationships. It's actually, you know, that those were the, the, the dealer relationships were about business. It was about um, actually making things happen. It was being agile. Uh, and, and all those businesses taught me a huge amount. So I think you... If, if you've lived in the dealer network and you've worked with the dealer network, there are some some fantastic people out there uh, who can who can who can really just teach you. Um, whereas in the corporate world, uh, it is quite tough because, yeah, actually, sometimes you don't have to worry about the balance sheet. It, someone else is taking the care of that and the funding. But um, no, the business is uh, really, um, and again, you talked about I was in charge of Marine, and again, that was very, very different type of, uh, you know, when, when you're paying you know, the price of a car for, for the engine and the back of a boat, uh, that was a considered purchase. Whereas, you know, if you're in some of the lawn and garden ones, you know, some of the other purchases were, 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 were far more just incremental. But no, I, I, I met some wonderful people. And I think some of the things I'm now doing in terms of helping with the coaching, I'm, I'm, I'm using examples from my history of the dealer network. Do you yourself, I mean, you, you've quoted founder of, of uh, Honda with his saying, do you, do you have a motto above the your desk or the loo door that uh, kind of drives you? Yeah, it's a, just just make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, it, that, that's the, the key to my, my thing. You know, you, you've got to be proactive. Um, and, you know, I was never going to just suddenly retire from court, corporate life and do nothing. And if I can put something back, which I'm doing now through the, 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 the coaching and mentoring. And also, for example, last night I was helping with uh, a, a third year student at Cardiff University and, and providing my time as part of the, the mentoring program. And I think that's you've just got to go and do these different things. If you lose that contact with people, I think that's uh, that's when you, you 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 start declining very quickly. And might I add to that, whatever age you are, you can never stop learning anything, really. Well, that's right. I mean, we always say every day is a school day. And yeah. also, every person has has something to, to give. I mean, I, I always remember, again, going back to my very early days of Volvo, going to work in a dealership for a couple of weeks just on induction. The, the, the car cleaner was the most important person in that dealership. And... They cleaned the car like never, ever cleaned a car before. And it was unbelievable. It was better than the new car. And I always say to him, I said, you, that's brilliant. He said, ah, oh, no, because when that person gets into that car, they don't see what the, the technicians have done, but they smell it. They look at it. They see it. It's got nice, shiny uh, wheels and everything like that. And he said, that's most important. And again, that's, that's about understanding the business. 
So he was he was a key person in the uh, in the business. Well, look, that's terrific, uh, Martin. Thank you very much for for your time today. Uh, it's it's a trawl through in some way memory lane, but uh, otherwise looking to the future also. So uh, I, I wish you well in in your activities in in this next stage of your uh, shall I put career. That's it. Absolutely. Yes. You, every, I say every day and it's been great to uh, to, to reminisce and uh, let's uh, let's have a beer and talk about rugby at some point. That sounds good. Thanks then, Martin. Yes, indeed. I look forward to that. Uh, Martin has many connections within the Welsh rugby world, but I don't think either of us will have much to crow about after the performance of England or Wales during the Six Nations this year. Still, wasn't it terrific that... After all his experience in finance at the very top level, that Martin should particularly appreciate the lunchtime yardstick quoted by former dealer Len Breakwell. You know, it's where the worlds of accountancy and down-to-earth business nous collide. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf.